Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. This season, we are posting the recordings from our HBG Bible Talks event in 2021 with Brother Ben Hall of Brooklyn, New York, titled Continuing the Kingdom, Lessons from the Book of Acts. in Acts chapter 20 in just a minute, but I'd actually like to survey a few passages in the New Testament before we do that. But before, I'd really like to um, remind us what we just sang, just in case we sang right past it, but just to underscore it. Verse 3 is great. When free from envy, scorn, and pride, our wishes, not for ourselves, but all above, each can his brother's failings hide and show a brother's love. I love quite a bit about this song, and uh, especially that line. But, but the beginning of that third line says something that is so true and so important for us to remember. We have failings. We have failings, each one of us. Not only do we have occasional failings, we mess up in a big way. I'm disrespectful to you. I'm negligent toward you. Maybe I'm actively hateful toward you um, or Personally, in my own life, I'm greedy or I'm lustful or I'm arrogant or whatever it may be. We have failings and weaknesses. But then there's also some things that are failings that I have all the time. And maybe they're not blatant sins like those I just identified, but I have weaknesses and failings and insecurities and problems that are mine. And I'm always trying to do my best to bear them, but a lot of times it doesn't go so great. The great thing about the kingdom of God is that we don't give up on each other on that or get tired of each other in that, though we do get tired of each other sometimes. Because we're not, well, because now we are free from envy, scorn, and pride. All our wishes are above for the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the throne for us and we with him. And so we hide each other's failings with a brother's love. That's how we live all the time. And that's one of the best things about being a Christian. And it's one of the most necessary things about continuing the kingdom because we do have lots of problems and challenges and failings. And we can't we can't do what we're supposed to do here with the Lord unless we help one another, unless we support one another on this journey. People who won't be able to see the grace of God, I won't be able to see the grace of God if you're not helping me when I'm weak. And we won't be able to preach the gospel. We won't be able to rule with Christ here on earth and continue to do his will if we're not helping each other. So the Apostle Paul would say in Acts chapter 20, we must always help the weak. And that's not the only place that he says that. Would you look with me at a few different uh, places? Look at uh, Romans chapter 15. I just want to underscore this. We're going to come back to Acts 20 and look at a single text that uh, gives us some principles for how to help each other when we are weak. But in Romans chapter 15 and verse 1, Romans 15 and verse 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself. Maybe I say it. Even our king in this kingdom that's continuing on through us, even he did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And so 
we must always help the weak. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted for, by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. All the good God does for us, his forgiveness toward us, his kindness toward us, his patience with us, we extend it to each other. Why? Because we need help. We need to comfort one another. We need to support one another and be there for each other in our troubles. One more. Look at Galatians chapter 6. And, of course, you know there are many other passages like this. But Galatians chapter 6 is one of the best passages that speaks to how we've got to be there for each other in our weaknesses. Galatians 6 uh, verse 1 says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, or if we could say it this way, when any of you are ever weak, you who are spiritual, and by the way, if you want to know what spiritual means, back up a couple of verses. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and good. If you're one of those kind of people, if you're one of the spirit people, not really smart or you've been a Christian for 50 years. If you're a person filled with the spirit of God and bearing his fruit, you who are spiritual, you know what? That fruit wasn't just for you to taste and enjoy. It's actually to share some of that fruit, to give it to someone else when they are weak, to help them. When they're in any um, trespass, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one look into yourself so that you, too, will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Paul goes on to say, hey, also, don't think that we're all just I never have to bear anything. you got to bear your own load. But you know what? Sometimes you can't or sometimes you don't. And that's when the rest of us are going to step in. And we're going to help you and restore you to what you ought to be. And, of course, helping each other when we are weak can be pretty tiresome. That's why verse 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men especially those of the household of faith. Help the weak. Whenever we're in trouble, whenever we're struggling, we help each other in that. All right. This is our mandate so that we can overcome and persevere through our problems, so that we can continue what Jesus started, so that we truly can be a community of grace where people will see the grace of God in us and we'll see it in each other. We've got to be people who help the weak. How do we do that? Go back to Acts chapter 20. And what we're going to do is pretty simple. We're going to read Paul's uh, account of how he tried to do that. And I shouldn't say tried. It's how he did that. And what we should be striving for if we want to uh, help each other when we're weak. Uh, the setting of Acts chapter 20 is Paul is on his way to Jerusalem to help the saints who were weak in a number of ways, uh, bringing a gift to them from various churches. 
And uh, he wanted to see the brethren in Ephesus with whom he had lived and worked for years. But I think the impression is either he knew things were too hot in Ephesus and the persecution he had faced before would cause a bunch of problems. So he couldn't go through Ephesus. Or maybe it was he knew he loved him so much that if he stopped, he couldn't just stop for a couple of days. It would be a way too long. visit. I don't know which one it was. But whatever it was, he couldn't go see the brethren. But he did send for the elders, said, hey, let's meet up nearer to the sea before I continue on my journey. So the elders at Ephesus come to meet him. And beginning in verse 17, uh, excuse me, in verse 18, Paul recounts to them what he did among them. I'd like to read the entirety of this little speech, this little sermon. We do sometimes study the sermons in the book of Acts. This is one of the sermons in the book of Acts where Paul recounts uh, what he did among the brethren there. You'll see our phrase of being people who help the weak is actually very close to the end of uh, the, the speech in verse 35. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And I think in many ways that's the theme of this entire speech. And we learn a lot of principles along the way of how we can do uh, what we all need each other to do for one another. So let's read the, the whole spiel that Paul gives, and then we'll talk about some principles that we can learn and that we should try to embody as best we can. Acts 20, beginning in verse 18. When they had come to him, Paul, that is, said to them, You yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, and how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God. And the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my own needs and to the men who are with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. How do we help the weak? How do we help each other when we're weak, when we're struggling? 
the first thing that's notable to me about the way Paul talks about how he helped them was the intimacy of his presence with them. Look at verse 18. Notice how he starts this whole deal. You yourselves know. You know how I was when I was with you. And then he goes on and, and talks about a lot of things that, uh, a, a norm, what, frankly, we didn't know about Paul. You know, I mean, we read a lot of things about Paul, but this is a place where we really get insight. He was teaching publicly and house to house. Um, he worked while he was in Ephesus, not only to provide for his own needs, but also to provide for the people that were like his crew, his other fellow teachers and preachers that were with him. Um, he talks about his tears. He had an intimate presence with these people. We can't help each other if we're distant from each other. And haven't you experienced that or known that better than ever over the past 16 months? I can't wait to stop uh, referencing things in relation to a pandemic, but it's impossible. So sorry, I've got to bring it up. But no, seriously, think about how much more distance you've had from people. Even if you've been relatively social and connected and stuff, there's still a greater distance that you've had that was kind of forced upon you. Maybe that at times you even chose and therefore you didn't know how to help somebody because they were maybe right around the corner, but a million miles away in terms of any kind of intimacy or presence in each other's life. It's hard to know how to help one another when we're weak, when I can't see your weaknesses, when I don't know what's going on with you. And think about how that's generally true. If I never talk about if you, if I never listen to you or if I never share with you some temptation I have or some struggle I, if I have, I'm never honest with you about what's going on in my life. There's no way I can help you. There's no way you can help me in our weaknesses unless we're intimately present with each other. Paul was willing to do that. Maybe a, 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 a buzzy word we use. He was vulnerable with them. That's important. It's important. It's essential if we're going to be able to help one another. Uh, a great text on this that we're not going to explore right now, but I think First Thessalonians chapters 1 through 3 is another great text where Paul speaks about the way he conducted his business, and there was an intimacy. He talks about himself. He says, I was like a nursing mother. That's as intimate as present as you get with a child. That's how I was with you. I was like a father who knew about what was going on with you and was instructing you and molding you. Listen, I don't know what's going on with your kids. I don't instruct them, but you do. Because you're present with them every day, every night, you're intimately present with them. And so you know how to help them and their weaknesses. And you know what's going on with them emotionally. And, of course, you kids know how your parents are. You know your parents' weaknesses because you're intimately present with them. You know what's going on. We've got to develop that and cultivate that. Maybe that's why Paul specifically highlighted being with them house to house. Maybe that's why earlier in the book of Acts, the kingdom began and there was emphasis of how day by day they were continuing with each other. It wasn't a once a week kind of thing where they were checking in. Um, they were day by day working to spend time together in some shape, form or fashion. And sometimes we say, well, you know, it's easier for them. Ancient people. We're modern people. We got busy stuff. That's all backwards. It would have been harder for them. You know why? Whenever they were thirsty, you know what they had to do to be able to get something to drink? Go to wherever the well water was and then carry it home. And they wouldn't just get a cup at a time. And whenever they wanted to wash their clothes or whenever they wanted to cook, we just crack open a bottle of water, drive through Taco Bell, and bang, we're ready to hang out. It's way easier for us to do this if we want to, if we want to. We've got to want to. And maybe part of the reason that we don't have enough want to, to be intimate with each other, to be really present with each other as family, is because maybe either we forget the need or sometimes perhaps we don't care as much as we should 
about the need to be able to help each other in our weaknesses. And if I understand that, hey, my job for you and your job for me is to be intimate with each other and present in each other's lives so that I know what I need to do to help you and so that you know what you need to do to help me. We're going to strive for that a lot more. We're going to have an intimate presence in each other's lives so that we can help the weak. Another important concept that I see here in Paul, and by the way, I know it's going to look like, wow, we're going to go line by line. This is a lot of lines. We're not going to. But there's a couple of things early on that I think are really significant. Uh, another really important thing here is uh, humility. Notice in verse 19, Paul says, he says, I was with you serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Humility means many things. One thing it means in Philippians 2, is I don't think I'm more important than you. I think your needs are actually more important than mine, even if they're not really. Even if you're not more important than me, that's actually the point of Philippians 2. You weren't more important than Jesus, but Jesus thought of you and treated you as if you were more important than him. That's what Philippians 2 says. Um, so that's one thing humility means. Uh, humility means, according to Proverbs, listening to counsel and advice whenever it's given. Uh, that's important. Here, this humility seems to be just uh, not trying to put up a front. Paul says, I serve the Lord with all humility. Well, what do you mean, Paul? Well, with tears and with trials. Paul wasn't above it all. Paul wasn't more important than his brethren. He didn't try to portray himself as more powerful than his brethren either. Sometimes we think if I'm going to help people, I've got to be a super person and I've got to be always fine and always strong. That's dumb. It's not true. How did Jesus help you? When he went into that garden, how did he help you? How does he help you? It's in his tears. When you see him on the cross, what is it about him that helps you? It's not that he was powerful and above the fray. It's when you hear him cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how I felt sometimes. Jesus did that too. You see what I'm saying? We've got to be people who are humble enough to be authentic. And again, I don't mean uh, pretending to make up problems. Sometimes we think, oh, I got to, everybody's sharing problems. I guess I got to have a problem. I'm actually fine, but I should come up with a problem because they're going to think I'm arrogant. Look, if you don't have a problem, humility means you just say, hey, thankfully I don't have any problems right now, which is cool for me, but I'm going to have one soon enough. So get ready, y'all. It's coming. doesn't mean that you manufacture issues, but it means you're just who you are. And so when you're troubled, when you're going through difficulties, by the way, in Ephesus, Paul went through many difficulties. He describes it in 2 Corinthians 1, like he was, or in 1 Corinthians 15 and a little bit in 2 Corinthians 1, it's like wild animals coming against him. That was the kind of thing he was going through in Asia in this period of his life. Be humble about that. Don't try to be something that you're not. Don't try to be more powerful than you are if you want to help the weak. And, of course, we know that uh, – Part of the reason for that is there's a greater relatability. And again, don't manufacture relatability. People can smell that. All right, I think. Don't you guys think? Whenever somebody you can tell, I'm just trying to be related. It's like, honestly, dude, don't pretend like you get that person's struggle. You don't. And it's okay. Second Corinthians 1 didn't say uh, God comforts us when we have every single affliction that every other person has. He says, no, no, God comforted you in your affliction, whatever that may be, so that you can help anyone in any affliction. You don't have to go through that person's you don't have to walk a mile in that person's shoes to understand their struggle. It certainly helps a little bit. You've had a struggle, though, and you can help the weak, whatever it may be. Just be humble. Don't try to be something that you're not. Don't try to be more important than you are. Don't try to be something different. 
be humble. All right, intimate presence, humility, vulnerability in that humility. Another thing we see quite a lot through this text that uh, is important for us as we try to help us help one another when we're weak is honesty. Do you know how much Paul talks about honesty? Verse 20. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. I wonder why it was house to house. Maybe it was just that was the venue sometimes. Or maybe it was because some of the stuff Paul said publicly, people would say, Paul, I think you're wrong. He'd be like, all right, well, I'll come to your house and we'll talk about it. And it didn't change the message. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Paul expounded a little bit and the person clarified it. But you can imagine some of those house to house meetings were probably some of the more difficult ones where Paul had to tell people things even harder than the public stuff that he said. Um, verse 21, the way he describes that solemn testimony, he's being super honest. I mean, that's that's the kind of language you use whenever you talk about going before court. I'm solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of what repentance toward God and faith. Or we might say loyalty to our Lord Jesus Christ. He was not saying nice, fun things. He was telling people you are in sin and you can no longer be in sin. You must be loyal to Jesus above all others. You must have faith in him. That's the kind of stuff that Jesus was uh, that Paul was saying to people. And that's what helped people. Do you think it felt very helpful in the moment sometime? Some person comes to Paul. Paul, I just keep on going to the temple. And, you know, before my wife and I were fine with this, I would go to the temple. and I'm Part of the worship, you know, there's the temple prostitutes. I'm so used to it. It's what I keep doing. I don't know, Paul, I feel kind of bad about it. Can you tell me something? Yeah, you need to repent, brother. Or you're going to go to hell. That's not very helpful. Yeah, it is. It was honest. It was true. That's what the person needed to hear. You know, uh, he, he says other things about his honesty later on. Look at verse 25, for instance. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Why are you innocent of the blood of all men? In other words, he's saying, whatever happens to you guys, I'm innocent of it if it's a bad thing. I know that. Verse 27, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose or the whole counsel of God. I told you everything. I didn't hold anything back because I thought it hurt your feelings or you wouldn't like it or whatever. I was just honest with you. I told you the truth always. Verse 32 he comes back to a similar idea. He says, and now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I told you the truth, and I'm telling you that's the thing that you need. He was honest with people, and that's what helped him. But are some of you people that are like, yes, I love these verses. I told you to repent. I told you the truth. I didn't hold back. But the reason you like that is because you just kind of like not being sensitive ever. You just like telling people what you think. Notice that's not what Paul is saying in these verses. He was honest, even if it hurt their feelings. But what was the purpose of it? Look at verse 32 again. What was the purpose of the word of his grace? That that uh, the whole counsel of God that he testified, the repentance that he called him to. What's the purpose of verse 32? To build you up. He was honest with the per with the purpose of building up, which meant that sometimes Paul would have maybe modulated how much he said at one time with somebody with what they were going through. All right. This person's got like 17 problems. I'm only going to talk to him about two of them right now because I know they're going to not. They can't eat 17 solutions at once. So let's talk about a couple of them. You know what? This person really is regretting their actions tonight. 
we just need to pray and I need to reassure them of the grace of God. Now, in a couple of days, we're going to have to talk about some of the hard things they need to hear about their repentance. And I'm going to tell them a little bit about their repentance, but most of them are focused on God's forgiveness. Right? You get what I'm saying? He spoke honestly, but in a way to build them up. He would teach others to do this same thing. Ephesians chapter four. Don't let any corrupt speech come out of your mouth. So no curse words, no dirty jokes. Right. No, he defines them as true. But actually what he says is only such a word as builds up. It builds up as is needful for the moment to extend grace to the one who hears. So it's not just no cursing and no dirty jokes. It's actually don't say anything that's going to tear people down or harm people. It's going to build them up. Sometimes building up means repent of your sins, start being loyal to Jesus, all that kind of stuff. But the goal is not to beat somebody up. Uh, honesty for the purpose of building up. That's how we help each other when we're weak. So some of you are a little squeamish about the honesty part. I don't even know you, but I just know this is how we are. Some of us are squeamish about the honesty part. We just want to make people feel good. We just want to say nice things. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, that's not helpful. It's not. Making people feel good doesn't help people. I mean, it it feels good, but that doesn't help. On the other hand, some of you just like to tell people how it is. Well, you're not helping either because you're just telling people how it is because you like to say what it is. You got to say things that will actually help. Um, that's what we're trying to do: is help the weak. All right, intimate presence with one another, humbling ourselves in our lives together, speaking honestly for the purpose of building up. Another thing that is crucial for us to be able to help one another and help the weak is being watchful of the evil one. Look at verses 28 to 31 again. Verse 28. As, as he's, he's recounted all this stuff, and at first, I, I don't know, but maybe the elders in Ephesus are like, yeah, this is cool. Paul's just recounting for us all that he did. And that, this is, we had some good times, Paul. Hope you make it out of Jerusalem alive. But that's not the point of this conversation. This is a, we might say, a recommissioning by Paul of the elders for how they were supposed to behave. And in the middle of this set of exhortations, where ultimately he's going to come to our point helping the weak. He says, you guys watch out because all that work that I did, it wasn't just for fun. I, I wasn't intimately present with you guys, letting you watch me cry and go through trials. I didn't humble myself just because I didn't speak that stuff just because I like talking or telling people what they need to do. I was living to be watchful of the enemy. And you all, if you're going to help the weak, you need to be watchful. Because there's all this positive stuff that we're supposed to do. But remember, we're in a battle here. The monsters are still out there. They don't have the kingdom authority anymore. That's been taken away. But the beast is still alive. The beasts of this world are still alive. And they're on the attack. Satan is still prowling around like a lion. Verse 28, he says, be on guard for yourselves and for the whole flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And even from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples. They're not going to say the good things. They're going to be intimately present, but in order to steal and to destroy, not to help. They're not going to be humble people. They're going to be arrogant, thinking that other people are for their advantage. Watch out. Be on guard. Be watchful. Be on the alert. And notice there's two levels. If we're going to help the weak, there are two levels that we need to constantly be on guard for. 
Number one, myself. Be watchful for yourselves. What's that temptation that you keep on giving into? This this right, this is a nagging little thing. And you think to yourself, it's okay. I'm still helping a lot. I'm still a, a pretty good Christian. Nobody else even knows about this thing that I'm doing. It's just a secret little temptation. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Satan's going to get you with that. That's the thing he's going to get you with. Not some big, dramatic, out of nowhere thing. He doesn't need to do that because he's already got you with that little thing. That that thing of you always telling lies at work or with your brethren. That little bit of lust that you just keep on sort of saving. You know, you don't use it very often, but you keep savoring it. You're eventually, maybe you still are now able to help the weak, but eventually that thing is going to grow and fester and take over. And you're not going to be able to help the weak. You're not going to be able to be a part of God's community of grace because you're going to be so saturated with sin. It's going to draw you away and harden you into that. Those pro- You're not going to be able to persevere because you're crippled by the sin that's inside you. That little bit of pride, that inclination you have to gossip or to complain or to whatever, be greedy. All those things, watch out for yourself. But also watch out for other people. This is a hard one, I think, because I think there's uh, two dangers, probably way more, but at least two dangers. One is I look around. I'm like, everybody looks pretty good. They have open Bibles sitting in church, smiling or crying. Seems good. Spiritual ish. Great. We're all fine. Don't be a fool. You can sit here and look nice and be nice. And still be drowning. Uh, by the way, back to the intimate presence thing. We got to open our mouths with each other and try to help each other out. Humble yourself to admit when you're in trouble. Be ready to receive you know, all that kind of stuff. But don't be a fool and think that oh we're all fine because we're here. On the other hand, I think this is a danger. And especially the more you help the weak, the more you're involved in that, the more you may fall into this thing where you just look around. You're like, they look fine. That probably means they're deep in sin. No, maybe they're fine. I'm not saying they're perfect, but maybe they're actually fine. So don't don't just assume everybody's evil and bad and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of hard, I think. What we do need to do is be alert and be alert doesn't mean I assume everybody's bad. It also doesn't mean I assume everything's good. It means I'm ready. It means I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready to engage you. I want to engage you. Let's talk. What's really going on in your life? Here's what's going on in my life. Could you pray for me about this? Well, you, you got anything you need prayers for? It's cool if you don't. But if you do, great, whatever. You're on the alert because you just you're just not going to get caught sleeping on the devil. That's what it's about. We don't want to get caught sleeping. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul said, it's time to wake up and put on the armor of light. We're not supposed to be people of the darkness anymore. We're not slumbering like everybody else. We're going to sleep for a little while once we pass away from this life. But now's not the time for that. Let's be serious. Let's be on the alert. And here he says, be on the alert for this for yourselves and for others. If we want to help the weak, we got to be aware that we're in a dangerous place. We're on a battlefield. That means the bullets are flying by us all the time. So be on the alert so that you won't get hit. Or whenever someone else does get hit, you don't leave them there to bleed out. You go to help them out. You go to help the weak by being alert. All right, last thing. We need to be intimately present with one another. We need to be people who are truly humble, who don't try to act like we're stronger than we are or that we're better than anybody else, but really humble people like the Lord himself. We've got to speak honestly, but not to tear down. Speak honestly for the purpose of building up. And we've got to be people who, as we've said, are on the alert. We're serious about the dangers around us and in each other's lives. Last thing that we learn here. We've got to be people who live to give all the time. I like verse 24 
Paul says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. This is a, a powerful statement, a kind of a little personal mission statement you read from Paul. My life is about testifying of the grace of God. I don't account my life as anything to me. He would say in the book of Philippians, to live is Christ. And to die, that's bonus stuff. That's to gain. That's for me. That He was living to give all the time. What's especially striking to me about this, though, is Paul, at this point, we referenced this earlier, what was happening was not that he was traveling to Jerusalem so he could stand on some platform and preach, though he would get the opportunity to do that. When he went to Jerusalem, what he was doing was bringing money from Gentile churches all across the country side, the Roman Empire, to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Paul, why are you going to risk your life by going to Jerusalem? They kind of hate you there. and You're probably going to, I mean, the Holy Spirit's saying that you're going to get arrested and you may die. I know. Why are you going to do that? Well, my brethren are struggling. Like struggling with what? Their faith? Actually, a lot of them are really loyal to the Lord. I think they're fine right now. What are they struggling with? They don't have enough to eat. You're going to risk your life to take. Couldn't somebody else do it yet? But I'm trying to lead the way here of what we're supposed to be all about. Not to be served, but to serve and to give our lives just like our Lord who gave his life as a ransom for many. I'm going to live to give. That's what it's all about. And you actually go down. He punctuates this speech. Verse 32, that honest word that he spoke to him. Do you notice what he called it again in verse 32? The word of his grace. The word of the kingdom was the word of grace, the word of giving. Verse 33, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. I didn't want your stuff. Maybe they gave it to him at some point. I wonder if they brought a gift to Paul and he says, listen, I didn't ask for this. Y'all know I didn't want this. You kind of forced this on me here. I don't know. Verse 34, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who are with me. I didn't take anything from you guys. I didn't ask anything. Matter of fact, the whole time I was with you, while I was with you preaching publicly and house to house day and night, I'm working in the hot stall, making tents all day long to provide for my needs and others because I don't want to be covetous. Actually, I want to be able to give to those who are in need. I'm not trying to take anything. And then you guys know I was pouring my heart out every night, talking to you as long as you want to talk about the word of God and about the grace of God, about the question you had. I'm exhorting you repentance because I was pouring myself out as a drink offering to God every day, every night, giving myself. That's what my life is all about. Verse 35, why'd you do it, Paul? Well, I was trying to show you something. In everything, I showed you that by working hard, Hard, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's a more blessed thing to give than to receive in everything in your life. Your money, your time, your emotions, your prayers, your relationships, whatever, give. And listen, we all got to give in different ways. And don't ever compare your giving to somebody else. Don't do that. That's that's devil stuff. That's I'm trying to discourage you. Don't do that. Because you got to give in the arenas that God has given you to give and your family and your community and your neighborhood. And yes, in the church, of course, with your brethren. But the point is this mentality, if we're ever going to help the weak, we've got to be people who are givers. And as we live every day thinking that God has given everything to me. And so I have to give myself to him. And if I ever want to help you, 
I've got to give. I've got to live to give. And if you're ever going to be able to help me, you've got to live that way too. Not thinking about your own life and counting up. I don't know. I don't know if I can give that much because no, stop. We don't keep taps on how much we're given. We just give. Because that's what the Lord did for us. And that's how we got helped. So that's what we do for each other. So there will be that community of grace where people look at us and what they see is the grace of God. People helping each other, people supporting each other, saying hard things that they don't want to hear, but the stuff they need to hear. Crying their tears, praying together, working together for the same goal, all their wishes of things above. So whatever problems we face, we'll be fine. We will persevere. We'll get through them. It's super hard. but We'll be fine because we're helping the weak all along the way. And this strange kingdom ruled by the son of man at the right hand of God will continue on and on in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and everywhere else around the world. Because the followers of Jesus know I've got to do whatever I can to lift my brother up, to lift my sister up as we serve the Lord. Isn't that last scene in chapter 20 so touching? Were Paul's eyes filled with tears as he told him this? Was he wistful? Was he worried? I don't know. I guess I do. It says there's much weeping from them. So they prayed together because that's what the disciples do to help each other out on their way. And then he went on. And I guess they could have said, Paul, we've got some problems, actually, and we'd love for you to come to Ephesus. And we, but by the way, they did have problems. Read First Timothy and see about what was going on in Ephesus. They needed some help. But they learned the lesson. Somebody else needs some help. Kind of like Mary Poppins, you know. She flies in, helps the kids for a little while. It wasn't like they didn't have any problems for the rest of their life, but there were some other kids that needed some help. So they said, see you later. And he grabbed his umbrella and he flew on to Jerusalem to help them out. <laughs> because they learned the lesson. We're not sitting here trying to take for ourselves and what we'd prefer, Paul. We're here to help. So you taught us how to do it, and we're going to do our best. You go on and teach somebody else how to do it, they'll do their best. And that kingdom will continue to spread more and more until God's will truly is done on earth, even as it is in heaven. That's what we're going for. Better yet, that's what the king is going for, and we get to do it with him. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us when we're weak with discouragement or loneliness or temptation. Thank you for helping us when we don't know what to do. Thank you for helping us whenever we don't know how to help each other. I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit more and more. Give us more grace all the time. Make us be people who look like Jesus in all the love that you have for us. I pray for these brethren here that you'd strengthen them to continue the kingdom work that you began and that you've called us into. I pray that you give them courage and wisdom. 
pray that you'd give them faith. I pray the same for us as we carry on where we are and wherever all of us go in our lives. Make us go with you. Make us have hearts that are committed to you above all else so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in us and through us on earth, even as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope this lesson was helpful to you. If you're enjoying what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review that will help us reach more people. If you're interested in online Bible studies, please reach out to us, 717-585-0949 or capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information or group studies, check us out at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.